It's the Lowdown on Twang Tuesday. Lowdown is driven by Wolf GMC Buick. Hurry in for GMC's Joy to the Ride event. No payments for 90 days on every new in-stock 2023 GMC and Buick. Ask for details, plus get $4,000 in Christmas cash. Joined now by Ben Pope, Chicago Blackhawks beat reporter for the Sun-Times, and you have to work 24-7 when you do this job. For instance, already news today, Seth Jones not on the trip with an upper body injury, getting further evaluation, uh, and that is big news. Uh, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Obviously, no word. We'll find out later, but uh, without Seth Jones, this is a, uh, it's not a no-name defense, but it'll it'll be a struggle against McDavid and Dreisaitl tonight. Fair? Yes, for sure. I mean, this is pretty much the same defense that Rockford, the the Hawks AHL affiliate, was running out at the the end of last season, except for Connor Murphy, uh, who's really the one established veteran left. I mean, you don't have Seth Jones, uh, who was injured late in the third period Sunday against Washington. It initially sounded like he'd be all right, but now not on the trip with an upper body injury. It looked like a shoulder to me. Uh, you already have Kevin Korchinski away from the team uh, dealing with a family matter. So that would have been your top pair for most of the year. So at this point, it's four rookies and Alex Vlasic, Louis Crevier, Isaac Phillips, and Philip Roos who will be making his season debut tonight. Uh, and then Connor Murphy and a, a journeyman who's, who's also struggled quite a bit in Nikita Zaitsev. So uh, definitely going to be a, a tall task for uh, for this defense to, to stack up tonight. And, and you know, Ben, I... I was my plan was to talk about injuries to the forwards <laughs> because you know there's Taylor Hall obviously Corey Perry out but but Taylor Hall injury like I don't mind what Chicago is trying to do here to provide uh, Connor Bedard and we'll talk to him in a second but to provide him with a lot of like veteran options and some really good quality players but injuries have really had an impact on this team. Yeah, it's definitely um, kind of sent the plan awry. Um, they had brought in. Nick Foligno, Corey Perry, and, and Taylor Hall to be uh, the, the veteran leadership uh, to kind of help boost this forward group after it, it was uh, so undermanned last year. And um, the Hall especially probably has the most offensive upside by far out of those three guys at this point in his career, and he was going to be Bedard's right-hand man to give him that support on the fo- first line. And uh, now Perry's obviously gone, Hall out for the season, and you just have Nick Foligno, who's a uh, huge leader in the locker room, but but not really a, a top tier, you know, offensive threat the way Hall would have been. So it's definitely been an impact um, for for weeks now, uh, for for months uh, at this point uh, on the forward side, and now you're also seeing it on defense. So uh, definitely a lot of struggles. Not really the kind of roster that the Hawks were expecting to be able to field at this point. Uh, ben Pope joining us right now from Chicago Sun Times, talking about the Blackhawks, and yet Bedard. Uh, who is like, you know, I mean, there are players around him, but he is clearly the most skilled, and you can tell 11 goals, 23 points in 27 games. That might not be what the expectation was, but I think he's having a hell of a year. I think that probably was about expectation for him to be maybe a little under a point per game. I mean, looking back at, at other examples of forward drafted first overall, um, that is pretty much on par with what their rookie season's we're like in that 60 to 70 point range. And that's pretty much what he's on pace for. if not a little above that right now. And he's doing it with a far inferior supporting cast to, to what a lot of those other first overall picks did. So I think he pretty much has been right on expectations. Um, and he, you're right. He's been doing it uh, largely by himself. He's been mainly playing with Philip Kurashev, um And now Anthony Bovillier is his first line uh, teammates who are, are decent players, but, but definitely not, 
uh, the kind of guys you would normally see in the first line of most teams. So it's been impressive the way he's handled things on and off the ice. His, his shot has lived up to expectations, and uh, he's, he's been able to make a, a good number of plays and work well in traffic and kind of check all the boxes so far. Uh, Boris Kachuk on waivers. Now he has cleared, heading down to the minors. Uh, pretty good hockey player. I mean, when I watch him, I can see why he's in the National Hockey League. Does that speak to the depth of this team? Because they have some injuries, and they, he's still an extra guy who can't get in the lineup. Uh, Kachuk has definitely been inconsistent over the past couple of years since being here. He does have some, some strong games where he, he really gets on the forecheck, he brings a physical presence, and he looks like a guy that they could definitely stick around as a bottom sixer on most rosters. And then other nights where um, he, he just doesn't really do too much, uh, just kind of an invisible impact. So uh, it varies day to day, game to game. And he had been a healthy scratch for the last four and they want to get him back playing. So that's why he's going back to Rockford. Um, it's really also been partially that Joey Anderson, uh, journeyman who'd been in the Devils and Maple Leafs organization um, who came over in a trade last spring, um, has been called up in the wake of the Hall and Perry injuries and um, been playing really well. He's at, he has four assists in, in 10 games and has been making a, a strong impact defensively and on the forecheck on the third line next to Jason Dickinson, who's having a career year. So I think Hall, uh, I mean, Anderson has kind of jumped over Kachuk and uh, it's sort of a statement as much as on how well Anderson has played um, that, that they decided to make this move and kind of cement Anderson's spot permanently moving forward. Uh, you, you mentioned Dickinson. He scored nine goals as a career high last year for Chicago and really, I thought, uh, kind of emerged this year. He's got nine already in 27 games. What, what has been uh, uh, the corner that he's turned? He's 28, so this is a little late for him to, to do this. And is it real? And what's he done to, to put himself in this kind of spot? Well, he's just a really intelligent player, Um, just a, you know, top percentile guy in terms of just hockey IQ and just ability to read the play. And I think in Dallas, where he'd spent most of his career, he was in much more of a a defensive shutdown role. There wasn't really many opportunities for him to produce. And um, and also just the way he is, he's kind of the guy who keeps learning and keeps improving, even as he gets, you know, into his prime and beyond, just because he is such a smart guy. And it seems like with a little bit more opportunity, like he, he played a bit with Patrick Kane even last season um, on this Hawks team. And then just the, the kind of guy he is, he's really seized the, the opportunity and, and developed his offensive um, the side of his game, but while still being probably their best defensive forward. So uh, it has been really impressive. He's been a bright spot for sure over the past uh, year and a half since coming in here. And uh, it'll be interesting to see if, if maybe he gets some trade interest, uh, you know, as we get further along this season as a guy who, who could bring an impact in a lot of different areas for a contender. That's my next question. You must be reading my notes. I, I wonder, there are players on this team that are going to have value. Uh, I think Morozik, you know, is a guy that, that, you know, based on his performance alone, contracts aside, he's a guy that, that probably would, uh, have some interest depending upon what, what t- team needs are and if there's an interest out there from other, uh, NHL teams. But what, what do you see them doing? Is everybody uh, who's a UFA sort of open for business, or or do you see them maybe pulling back one or two guys and not moving them? Well, it's it's still so early to say, and I do think they're going to wait until you know right around the deadline to move anybody, just because as we've talked about, this roster has already lost so many pieces, and they don't want to with all the young guys they have, they don't want to just completely just you know send them out to the wolves with no support at all. So 
guys like Mrazek, like Jason Dickinson, like Tyler Johnson, who's another pending UFA who might get some trade interest, I think they're going to want to keep them, you know, into February to get the most out of them as they can before then, at that point, then the prudent move probably becomes to see what you might be able to get for them in terms of draft picks on the, the market. Um, so it's, it's early to say. I wouldn't be surprised if they kept a couple guys, but I mean, this is still a rebuild. They're still trying to accumulate long-term assets, and uh, I think it's, it's probably worth it, uh, at least for a couple guys, to, to trade two months of them uh, for a second or third round pick if that's available. So, I mean, I, I think that'll be Kyle Davidson's mentality once we get towards February, but for now, he's going to want to keep things stable as possible for the next few months just because there already has been such instability. The 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 Blackhawks as an organization, I think we all know where they're headed and what the build is. Uh what's the sense of uh, of the the quality of drafting because it, you know this this is a a build or a rebuild that is you know, it's it's not brand new, but it's it's in the early stages. Certainly, you know, seventh overall in 2022, uh, Krochinski's really played well. Uh, but there's Nazar and there's some others from a year ago, and obviously Bedard. It's early days, but how how is the group of like 20 players drafted over the last two years doing overall? Well, it seems to me that they're generally progressing as expected. I would say among the prospect group this year. Um, there hasn't been anyone who's really blown up, but there hasn't been any big disappointments really either. Uh, just looking around, you know, juniors and, and college hockey at all the prospects they have stashed everywhere. Um, it's really going to just take time to see how this regime does with these draft picks, uh, how Davidson and, and Mike Donahue, who is the scouting director that he put in place, um, how it fares. I mean, Nazar's struggle with injuries last year didn't really play that much in Michigan, but he's He's back on form this year. Looks like he's kind of back on the track the Hawks expected. It wouldn't be surprising to see him turn pro after this coming season, um, you know, next summer. Um, Oliver Moore, who was the 19th overall pick this past summer, uh, the other second, the other first rounder after Bedard, the Hawks were thrilled to get him. They've been trying to trade up into the higher teams to get him, and he's off to a pretty solid start uh, at Minnesota, pretty much what you'd expect from him. Uh, so it's just going to take time. Uh, they fortunately have benefited that um, a few of the picks that Stan Bowman made in his later years have, have panned out pretty well, too. Alex Vlasic, a second rounder in 2019, uh, has been really impressive this year. Uh, he's probably going to be their number one defenseman tonight without Seth Jones, and, and he's really taken a big step over the past few years. He's going to be a, a top four um, guy for years to come. Uh, Isaac Phillips was a fifth-round pick. He's playing a pretty big role. Lucas Reichel has dealt with his struggles this year, but still a lot of potential for the future. He was a first-rounder in 2020. So uh, I would say things have progressed, you know, as you'd expect with the draft picks, uh, about on expectations, but it'll just take time to see, you know, exactly how many of these lottery picks they hit on in terms of the, the more recent guys. Final question for you, Ben Pope, is in regard to, uh, I'm looking at uh, Puckpedia, it looks like $13.6 million in current cap space. Um all fans want their owner to weaponize that cap space and make deals that benefit them heavily draft-wise, prospects-wise. Uh, are the Chicago Blackhawks in the mood to do that again? I think they would certainly be open to it again at the deadline this year, um, not only to, to get more assets, but also just to kind of get some warm bodies to fill out the roster, especially if they do move some guys like Dickinson or, or Johnson um, to just to you know, be able to get through the end of the season. So I think they'd certainly be interested in that. There's a ton of cap space right now, as you mentioned, and 
even more for next year. I think they only have like $35 million or something in that range committed for next season. They're not going to want to take on long-term commitments because, you know, in a year or two they're going to want to start to build this back up and some of their young guys like Korczynski, Bedard, Reichel are going to start to need their second contract. So you're not going to want to take on, you know, a, a multi-year bad contract. But for the end of this season or, or maybe for next season, I think they would be interested in that. Ben Pulp, thank you. Appreciate your time. Thanks so much for having me. All right. Ben Pulp, Chicago Blackhawks beat reporter for the Sun-Times. You land, you go to the rink, and you find out that uh, Seth Jones probably knew before then. But the reporting is that he's going back to Chicago, and we'll see. And they have a young, the way he described it, I mean, this is like, if you're the goalie, this is the game. Uh, do you remember the Boston Bruins game that they played against years and years and years ago? They played against the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs, and Daryl Sittler had 10 points. And the goalie's name was, I believe, Dave Reese. I think that's correct. This is off the fly, so I'm sure it was. And I think Jerry Cheevers was the backup that night. And I, I, I wish to God I knew the name of the coach, Don Cherry, probably. Um, and Cheevers said afterwards and said for years later, so I know it's true because you know, sometimes you make stuff up and then you change the story. But he, Jeeves said that he knew Cherry was looking at him and he wouldn't look at Cherry. He would. He did not want to go in. He did not want to be a part of it. He did never, ever, ever wanted to go into the net that night. He wasn't going. And so he would not look at Don Cherry. And poor Dave Reese. I don't even know if he ever played again. It was a... everything. Stuff was going in from the moon that night. Off somebody's stick, off somebody's butt and in the net. And it's a goal against. Man... Bad times. I'm not saying that will happen tonight, but Sam Gagne is in the lineup. I'm just saying, maybe you get your 10 tonight. Okay, our friend Daniel Nugent Bowman is on the way from the Athletic to Talk Oilers. This is the Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. It's the Lowdown on Sports 1440, driven by Wolf GMC Buick. And we're delighted to be here, hanging out until 2 o'clock today when Jason Greger cracks a mic, turns on the television camera, and hits go. With his funky hair. I know Daniel Nugent Bowman is a class guy. So I know he's been at the rink and he's noticed Jason's hair. And I bet you he hasn't said one word about it because that's the guy he is. Joining us now from The Athletic is Daniel Nugent Bowman. Have you said a word to Jason or even glimpsed or even looked at his hair? I have not because he's, he's got a new hat. He's, oh. uh, he's keeping the hair under wraps. So uh, I know the deal. I, I get it. He, I guess he has taken it off a couple times, but he's got it under wraps. So, uh, no, there hasn't been the opportunity to say too much. But speaking of saying too much, uh, there's some weeks where I, I wonder, I honestly wonder what we're going to talk about. There's not much goes on, but uh, that hasn't happened much this, this year, this <laughs> no, season. And, and I feel like today is no exception. I, no. I, I feel like we'll be talking a lot about goaltending and a lot about Connor McDavid well, uh, and, and stuff. Yeah, go. Let's, let, let's, let's start with Connor McDavid because. Okay. Um, you tweeted a couple of, I, I thought, very thoughtful tweets about uh, his year, like his calendar year, 2023. Uh, and he, like, this is a career year for a career player. This is this is the, the best hockey player of his era. Uh, and it's still not good enough in some circles. And maybe talk to them about, uh, like, maybe hockey players, they don't get overlooked in a lot of ways, but in, sometimes they do. And in Connor McDavid's case, that clearly has happened. 
Yeah, I, I, I think we're talking about the athlete of the year here, yeah. and uh, in Canada, it was announced yesterday. Um, I just I can't for the life of me understand why Connor McDavid wasn't the athlete of the year, and 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 there's a, there's a lot of different ways to kind of break this down, right? Um, you know, SGA had a, had a wonderful year on the court and, and did some things um, uh, that no Canadian has done in the international stage or on the international stage. Uh, helping Canada in a lot of ways. But, again, you're looking at the best hockey player in the world, without question. Uh, one of the best, like, you know me, Al, like I've said this several times, I think Connor McDavid is an all-time player. I think when his career is over, he'll be, you know, a top-five player in, in the history of the game. Now, Connor McDavid just had his best season, uh, and, and you might – not you, but somebody might dispute that. If you if you look at 2021, I think um, the shortened year when he had 105 points in 56 games. I, I think by uh, you know by hockey references uh, you know, uh, standards in terms of uh, adjusted scoring, I think that one was a touch better. But I think last year was better. Um, you know, when you look at him playing all the teams in the league, travel being uh, more intense. Uh, you know, they had those mini series uh, a couple of years ago or a few years ago. Uh, and uh, over 82 games, and what he did was was absolutely remarkable last year. You know, look at the look at look at uh, look at the picture at the awards. <laughs> he had four trophies beside him. Two uh, voted um, uh, were voted one by the media, one by the players, and, and two based on what he did on the ice in terms of the goals and the points. So, uh, the best season um, of his career, and one of the best seasons in the, in the history of the NHL. And that wasn't enough to, to get him the athlete of the year in, in this country. It, it, it's very bizarre. Um, you know, and, and I think hockey players do get overlooked. And, and that's maybe a good thing in this country. I mean, Wayne Gretzky's won four of these awards. And when he won, there was nowhere near the depth of field in terms of athletes in this country. Um, there's just a few years, you know, you know about by the time Gretzky was, was leaving or just about to leave Edmonton in 1988, Canada hosted an Olympic Games where, you know, we as a country did not win a single gold medal. So that doesn't happen anymore, uh, you know, summer or winter. And you look at how how strong our depth of field is at so many great sports. Um, you know, that's a testament to uh, the athletes that are being produced in this country. And that's, a, I think, a really great thing. But if Connor McDavid can't win that award uh, with the season that he had last year, he might never win that award. And for you know, an all-time great player like that to not be named athlete of, of the year, um, I think would be kind of a huge blemish. And uh, last year, or this this year, based on his last year and his calendar year, uh, I, I think he really should have been been the guy. And I think it's an oversight, quite frankly. Well, and I also think that there's a there's a credibility factor in order to be held in high regard. Uh, I, I think you have to be you have to sort of reflect reality and and i i do believe some of these awards and i'm not trying to be uh, a jerk about it but i think sometimes if there's a major accomplishment in a sport outside hockey that tends to get sway because it becomes titillating or newsworthy that it is in fact the player of the year or the team of the year or whatever the case may be but but I think you, you do it at, the, at maybe the cost of the credibility of the actual award itself. Yeah, it's, and it's really hard to judge. Like, you know, somebody doing so well in one sport uh, compared to another and all that. And, you know, I mentioned 2021. 
and Damian, Damian Warner won the athlete of the year. And, and I think for good reason, you know, again, Connor McDavid had a short year that year. Uh, Damian Warner wins gold medal at the decathlon where you're voted the world's greatest athlete or that's, or that's kind of the moniker of somebody who wins that. So if you're the world's greatest athlete, I guess you should be Canada's top athlete, right? So, there, you know, it is challenging, but you're right. You know, you look at sometimes um, Canadians um, doing so well or, or establishing, um, you know, a first uh, in their particular sport based on what a Canadian has done, and that kind of devalues or, or uh, over over uh, uh, overlooks, I guess, what a, what a hockey player uh, does. So, uh, and it's not a case of you know. Uh, you know, an NHL player winning this award every second year or whatever. Um, Carey Price in 2015 was the last Canadian to uh, to win the award. So, um, it, again, I think it speaks to the depth of field. You know, you look at uh, other Canadians have won this award. I mean, Bobby Clark won it in the mid-'70s. A player like Bobby Clark, due respect, a uh, very good player, a Hall of Fame player, would never win that award today. But, again, we're looking at Connor McDavid, who's not your run-of-the-mill NHL player, not your run-of-the-mill Canadian NHL player. He is already an all-time player and, and, and certainly will be when his career is over. And, and I don't think he's going to be able to win this award now if he can't win it based on a season like he just did. And, and again, I think that's a, that'll be a blemish and, and uh, something obviously he has no control over. But uh, I think an oversight on the committee's part to not give him that award this season. Daniel Nugent Bowman, our guest from The Athletic on Sports 1440 and the Lowdown with Low Tide. I, I, I appreciated McDavid's comments about Connor Bedard. I'm sure he was, you know, ready for them and, and has spoken about Bedard's abilities, uh, before, but I, I do like what he said. Uh, and it is, I know that you wrote an article, uh, co-wrote an article about the, the big event tonight. And this is going to happen a lot just because Bedard is the, the next, the next big thing. And we'll, we'll find out if he's the next McDavid. I, I, I would never put that on him because I think that's unfair to young players. Uh, but having said that, Bedard has been a big part of the Chicago Blackhawks this year, and he's a fun player to watch. Oh, absolutely. And, and you, you referenced the, the piece that uh, I wrote in, in uh, uh, cooperation with my colleague, uh, Mark Lazarus. And, and, and the, the way we looked at it, it's like, well, first of all, McDavid's the older guy in this, uh, in this rivalry, which is funny at age 26, right? But, uh, you know, for him coming into the league, Sidney Crosby was the standard, right? Like he was the guy that McDavid was was striving for. Um, now the standard is Connor McDavid, and it's Connor Bedard, who obviously has a long way to go. McDavid is closing in on 900 points here it's before his age, uh, uh, before he turns 27. Like that's you know incredible. But uh, McDavid's the one who set the standard, and, and Bedard has uh, is um, is kind of the next great Canadian hockey player, so we think, and so. Um, you know, he's the guy who's going to be looking to, although his idol was Sidney Crosby, given the age, um, it's Connor McDavid now that, that he's got to strive towards. So, um, yeah, it's, it's just kind of the next, to me, the next kind of great um, era, or, you know, a rivalry that kind of spans an, an extra era where McDavid's the guy who's been in the league for a few years now. It's unbelievably, it's his ninth season. Uh, Bedard in his first, and, and he's got something to, to strive for here. So, um, yeah, the one thing that, that kind of came up around the rink tonight was was the, was the start time, and, and I, obviously media members like to gripe, gripe about this, but uh, I heard from executives, from players saying like, why on earth is this game at, at eight o'clock here locally, which is ten o'clock obviously in the east and nine o'clock uh, in Chicago? Um, it, uh, it, it's what should be a very big game, and what certainly is a very big game, but these two players. 
I, I think won't get the quite nearly the audience as it, as it maybe could have. So that's probably a disappointing way to look at it, but I think it should be a great matchup tonight. Well, it's also four hours after dark in this town, so it's a lot, you know, <laughs> it's it's late for us old people. Um, I want to talk to you about the goaltending because we have talked at length about lots of things. Goalie has been central. Stuart Skinner has righted the ship. Uh, Jack Campbell playing right now in uh, Bakersfield, 1-1 tie. He's faced 28 shots and stopped 27 of them. But And we, we assumed that at some point in time Campbell would be recalled, and that may in fact happen. But certainly Calvin Pickard gave everybody something to think about with his performance against uh, on the weekend against New Jersey. Yeah, and, and let's let's be clear here too. Like the team is playing so much better in front of the goaltenders, right? Like uh, I think the Oilers were the, were the far better team for the whole night against New Jersey. Obviously, there's some score effects in the third period where New Jersey kind of pushed a little bit, especially late. Pickard stands stood tall and. Um, you know, the one goal he did allow to uh, Jesper Broad, I believe, was, you know, he didn't really have much of a hope on that. It was maybe the one time in the game where the defense kind of let him down a little bit. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I think right now there's no real need to make a change. And I, I say that knowing that, that Cal Pickard is, is not the answer here. Uh, he's the number three goal setter for a reason. Uh, this, you know, there's going to have to be some change whether it's Jack Campbell playing out of his mind in Bakersfield and you feel confident uh, that he can be the backup or the, you know, 1B uh, for the rest of the year. But I think obviously most, you know, more more likely, you know, the Ken Holland and management is going to have to go out and get a goaltender somewhere. I don't know who that guy is um, or, or when that happens, but I, I think at some point they're going to have, they're going to have to make a trade and, um, um, at least right now, uh, Cal Pickard and, and obviously Stuart Skinner is getting the bulk, bulk of the load uh, of the starts. You know, they've, they've at least calmed the waters a bit and uh, given management some time to not go and have to make a panic move, um, um, you know, because that, that's an area that's going to need to be addressed at some point. So um, kudos to the goaltenders, kudos to the team in front of the, uh, the goaltenders. Uh, for the way that they play defensively, because um, it's it's spot it, it management some time, I think clearly here. Uh, Daniel Nugent Bowman and uh, I'm going to say a sound effects library behind him today. I, this is the second time in a row, Daniel. Last time it was, I believe, uh, a siren. We've had a siren today. It sounded like an old style phone ringing. Where the hell are you, sir? I'm on 101 and, and Jasper. I was uh, having a little uh, lunch, <laughs> so I apologize. <laughs> uh, yeah, we got some buses. I've tried to keep it as quiet as I, can, as I could, but uh, and i, I got to get more into the studio because that's, that's the only time you seem to be able to get me clear. Yeah, oh, I man. <laughs> I, I swear I heard an old-time phone, and I thought I was watching the Rockford Files. Honestly, it was pretty funny. Um, I also want to talk to you about uh, two things. Connor Brown and, and his situation, he's penalty killing well. Scored, it didn't count, which sucks. But he seems to be getting a little closer to real. And then Dylan Holloway, when he's ready to come back, I, I'm not sure where he'll play. So maybe you can talk about Brown and then Holloway uh, okay. together. Yeah, sure. I, I mean, I, you got a feel for for a guy who's now into uh, you know pushing 20 games. Uh, I think he's at 19, I believe now because he missed six and he hasn't scored. I mean, he hit the post in the previous game, and he gets the one wipe back, and, you know, he's trying to take it in good stride. And I know that's not what any Oilers fan wants to hear because, you know, with this bonus kicking in, you know, 
not a $4 million player for this season on the cap, but that's kind of how he is because a lot of money is going to next year's cap and it's not ideal, right? But um, he's giving you something, right? He's, he's penalty killing. Um, you know, I, I don't think there's enough there at five on five quite yet because that line with Kane and Dreisaitl hasn't really been going as well as, as you'd probably want it to be. Um, you got to think, I think he's hoping anyway that the you know he gets one or two and then the dam kind of breaks because he's a guy who can score right. He's he scored thirty goals in this league at least at least on the prorated uh, scale on the one year. So um, a guy that um, that that you 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 need like the Oilers need more from him. Like, let's let's be real, but at least he's he's pushing the play forward and, and giving you something. Um, eventually, I think I think you'll get something more out of him in terms of, of, of production. Hallway, you're right. I mean, the team's going right now. It's it's when when the team wins seven games in a row, you kind of wonder where this guy fits. Now, having said that, there's no question they can find a spot for him because, you know, I think the fourth line is is not really an NHL, um, you know, quite the NHL caliber line that you want to. You know, everyone loves Sam Gagne, great guy. I, I, you know, he's at the end of his career. Derek Ryan's the oldest guy on the team. At, you know, he's penalty killing, uh, you know, with Ryan Nugent Hopkins. I don't think you're taking him out. James Hamlin, obviously, the center, is uh, still very early in his career and not somebody that um, that I, I don't think you'd, you'd be banking on long long term. So, I, anyway, I think there's the opportunity. I know you wrote about it out to put him next to um, uh, Ryan McLeod, and, and you could drop uh, Yamark down. So, uh, there's, there's some opportunities, I, I think, there for Holloway. I have no doubt that given the time off and the fact that he obviously wasn't producing very much beforehand, that he'll probably be eased back in the lineup in the bottom six. And, uh, you know, somebody that I think pretty highly of, and, and uh, you know, if he can kind of get his footing, um, maybe somebody who can, especially if a guy like Connor Brown uh, isn't performing or there are injuries, I, I, a guy that I still have high hopes that could um, sometime sooner than later-ish uh, work his way into the top six. So, um, I think there's there's room for Dylan Holloway in this team, and, and um, yeah, I think he'll be back sooner than later. Final one: Philip Broberg has scored for Bakersfield today, uh, and down there he's playing a lot, which is exactly what they need. How long do you think they'll run Ben Gleason without playing him before he has to go down and kind of get freshened up? Um, I I don't mean to sound glib, but I, I think it's kind of like long as as they want. Uh, ben Gleason is a nice organizational piece. Uh, he did very well in the preseason, very well in training camp. But, uh, I, you know, he's nothing more than kind of your injury replacement type of guy. And that's exactly why he's here right now, to be the number seven defenseman. Um, you could you could send it like uh, the team's winning. And Chris Boblock was very clear um, when he spoke about Broberg, I think it was last week, um, that he likes the six defensemen and they're not coming out. So, um, as long as everyone's healthy, as long as the team is playing well, uh, Phil Broberg isn't coming up. And if you want to freshen Gleason down, you can flip him. Um, although you would, you know, I guess he doesn't need waivers at this point. So yeah, you could you could flip him for somebody else and let that other guy uh, do that role. Um, but I, I don't think there's any worry about you know him not playing or any type of like rust because you're, you're you don't need him and and quite frankly if an injury popped up i i think you're you're, you're flipping 
uh, Gleason pro- probably for Broberg anyway. So um, I, I think the, the Gleason situation here is, is one of their uh, least concerns right now. Final one, and I'm asking this because I've been asked to ask you this. Uh, the 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 amount of praise that Paul Coffey has gotten uh, from the defenseman, from the actual defenseman, tells us that he's having an impact, even if it's just verbal and gaining confidence. Uh, but there's a lot of people who are saying, well, you know, Mark Stewart's a part of this group, too. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I like I get that. But as somebody who covers it, how difficult is it to, to parse credit and does it matter? But but it seems like whatever they're doing with the, the, the new head coach in Knobloch and then coffee and stir, it's working well. And, and maybe it doesn't matter who gets credit. Yeah. It, yeah. I, I don't I don't really have the, the credit answer for you, although we, we know that. Um, Mark Stewart is the one responsible for the penalty kill. Uh, Coffee certainly is more the defense, uh, you know, at five on five. I would say with Coffee, and we had a nice a couple of us had a nice chat with, with Vinny Darnay this morning. Um, the way he's kind of instilled confidence in, in the group is something. So uh, Darnay was talking about a mistake that he made in one game, and uh, it, it made the Oilers kind of get hemmed up, hemmed in their zone. And uh, he's like, oh, man, he went to the bench. He's like, I, I knew it. I know what I did wrong. But Coffee just kind of gave him a t- top on the shoulder and said, hey, you know, right? You know what you did? Yep, okay. And, and instead of the, the, the point of that is um, to not let things linger and to just keep moving forward and, and, and not kind of, uh, you know, have, have bad things kind of fester within. Uh, DeHarnay said his thought process was always, you know, he's, he knows what he is. He's the number six defenseman. He's not the puck mover of this group. It's let's get the puck out. So I, I, I got to clear my zone. And now he's really taking an extra half second to make a play. And, and that's what Coffee wants is, is to move the puck and make a play. And so, you know, DeHarnay's his puck skills have, have improved a little bit. So uh, obviously, you know, you think we're talking about Vinny DeHarnay, the number six defenseman. When we're, when we're thinking about that in the terms of, you know, Darnell Nurse is clearly played a lot better. Evan Bouchard looks like a top defenseman in the league. Like those guys are getting a lot more confidence from, from Paul Coffey. And uh, yeah, there's, there's, a, there's some credit to, uh, to be given out there to him. Uh, same with Mark Stewart on the penalty kill. So I don't know if, if parsing credit is, is the most important thing rather than the, the, the job that's actually being done uh, by the coaches and um, what's actually taking place on the ice. So next week, we're going to have you at an overpass on the hen day. See if we can get more noise. Uh, how about we do, where would we, uh, we, we've done the airport, we've done, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I live close enough to the hand, okay. we could do that, yeah, right. sure, sure. Beautiful, beautiful. Daniel, have a great week, thanks man. Alright, take care. Alright, there you go, Daniel Nugent-Bulmer from The Athletic. Opens up the notebook, gives us some information, I love the DeHarnay stuff, that was really good. And, and he was the one that drew attention to the, you know, McDavid, uh, not winning that award in a year that, that really was a career year. Now, I mean, he might do it again, knowing McDavid, but, uh, it still was a very interesting point that he was making there. And make sure to read the, the piece that uh, he and Mark Lazarus have up on Bedard. It's not Bedard versus McDavid because that would not be fair, but it is, it is an interesting, angle about tonight's game and especially considering that Chicago's defense is is very young and we don't know how this is going to go all right it's 1-1 looks like uh, Colorado Eagles are on a five on three that'll last about a minute and nine so we'll have an update for you in that game as it rolls along time now for a break this is the lowdown with low tide on sports 1440 it's the lowdown on sports 1440 with old Merle on twang Tuesday 
The lowdown is driven by Wolf GMC Buick. Hurry in for GMC's Joy to the Ride event. No payments for 90 days on every new in-stock 2023 GMC and Buick. Ask for details, plus get up to $4,000 cash. And the power play is now 5-on-4 as uh, a minute 9, I think it was, a 5-on-3 time. And Campbell has been uh, good. Now, the, the, uh, the penalty kill is looking good as well down there. Bakersfield. It's a 1-1 tie with 8.45 left in the third, 28 seconds left in the Colorado Eagles power play. Colorado Eagles will forever be uh, less than popular for me for one particular reason. And I'm going to tell you what it is. And I just got to find the name. And I can't for the life of me, even though he's a former Oiler player or prospect. Um, I want to get it right here. 2019-20 season. Bakersfield had a really good young center prospect named Cooper Marodi. And Marodi was having a hell of a year and he'd had, he'd had a couple of really good years. Um, and he got really hurt badly, like really badly in the playoffs in the postseason. And it was by, it was against the Colorado Eagles. And I'm, for the life of me, I cannot remember the name of the player, which makes for terrible radio, but it's true. Um, but he was, he was, he was acquired by the Oilers in a deal, I think, by Steve Tambellini. Anyway, Colorado Eagles were responsible for that, and I do not forgive. 8-11 now, shots 30-27 for Colorado. Uh, Bakersfield has come on, and they did tie the score on a Philip Broberg goal uh, during the second period. Sick of hearing Picard's not the answer. How do you know? Well, I'm, he's just saying what, you know, what his opinion is. We, we ask him to do that. People are mad at all of my guests today. They're mad at Lansky earlier. You know, when Daniel comes on, that's we ask him his opinion, and he's giving you his opinion. And, you know, you might not like it, and maybe it isn't true. Maybe Picard plays here for 10 years, but the odds are that he will not, and the odds are that everybody on the fourth line will be probably not playing in the league a year or two from now. Those are the odds. And I asked him about Holloway and where he would play, and he told me that's what... You know, Daniel can't say, you know, that's a tough question. And I'm going to, my answer is going to make me like people are going to get mad. So I'm not going to answer that. I'm going to talk about cheese whiz instead. That's not the deal. He comes on, he gives us, you know, his opinion and we appreciate that. There's a kid in Bakersfield. His name is Cameron Wright and he's not a kid, but he's a very good player. And they signed him out of, I don't know where. And it looks to me. It looks to me like he's a player. Cameron Wright, remember his name, he's not signed to an NHL contract yet, but he will. Cooper Marodi could make it on Twang Tuesday. He can sing. There's no doubt about it. If you're going to give have reporters as your guest, they should just report if you want people's opinion, gets expert who played the game. <laughs> it, does, it does not work like that. Because you're you're the 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 Daniel Nugent Bowman does two things. He does reporting, as he did on that particular interview. But I'm asking his opinion. He watches the game. He knows the game well. And that's what we're asking him. And as far as former players are concerned, with due respect, there's lots of great ones in town who do a fantastic job. Rob Brown, Jason Strudwick. Uh, we talked about Louie earlier. Lots of them do a great job. But not everybody is good at analyzing the game. Some guys just play it well. And they're not very good at it. Like, I honestly, I off the air for at least two hours now, I've interviewed Declan about swimming, and he sucks. 
at talking about swimming because even though he's really a good swimmer, in terms of being able to commentate about it, it's not very good. Is that a fair criticism of you, Declan? I would say that's fair, yeah. yeah. I mean, you're good at the swimming, but you're not good at analyzing the swimming. Yeah, back in the day, I could uh, I could fly a little bit in the water there, but uh, you asked me to break it down, and it's just gibberish. No chance. If I if I asked you, and you had to give me an honest answer, like I gave you a truth serum, serum if you could find the guy who invented the breaststroke, would you choke him? <laughs> yeah, that was my worst stroke. Well, it's far. everybody's worst stroke. <laughs> it's the, it's, it sucks. Yeah, I'll tell you. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't choke him. It's it's a part of swimming, you know. You need it in there. But boy, I was I was not much of a breaststroker. Who is? Yeah, I mean, it's no one. No one really like. It's not a specialty stroke for many people because it's so niche. Like Michael Phelps, who a lot of people probably that's the only swimmer they know, and he was a terrible breaststroker. It was always what what caught up to him in the in the individual medley. Yeah. Um. It's it's interesting to me that that people are are uh, harshing on the the analysts right now. We've been doing this like I remember listening to John Short on the radio when he first started at CFRN, and that was in the seventies. And you know, even before that, I'm sure. But I became aware of of you know specific criticism. Did we have a guest that we hadn't planned for, or what happened there? No, that was someone. That was actually wrong number. Is what that was. Oh, yeah, if you can believe that. So do, is, are we 427-5050 and they tried to call the Lido? What's going we're, on there? We're the same as the text line, one 401 I don't know. Maybe they added a, you know, meant to hit one or something, but not us. Well, Bakersfield now on the power play. Please keep DNB. I'm, look, I am never giving up DNB. He's my guy. I, we write together on The Athletic. I love reading his stuff, and he's a great reporter, and he has great opinions. You know, I mean, I don't know. Every once in a while, I'll ask him about his musical tastes, and I, he gives a little, you know, I, I'm, you know, I could give him some recommendation, but he's good in the music. I, I do wonder if he's trying out a new sound effects library, but li- based on the last two live hits he's done on this show, I swear to God, I heard the Jim Rockford phone ring. Did you hear that? I did. Ring. It's Jim Rockford. Leave your name and number. I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Hi, Jim. My dog is foaming at the mouth. I got him locked up in the shed. I'm wondering if you want to come over and shoot him. And then the music starts. Jim Rockford, man. What a cool guy. He probably sold more sports coats in the 70s than any living human. Because he wore them and he he just looked good no matter what he wore. He could have worn, you know, like a gunny sack and people would have bought that too. Maybe not a maybe not a gunny sack. Graham Smith was unbelievable at breaststroke. That is true. <laughs> Low tide is breaststroker, or as the great Les Nessman called it, breaststroking. <laughs> uh, my favorite, my favorite Les Nessman, aside from the turkey thing, which is an all timer, was when he called Chichi Rodriguez Chai Chai Rodriguez. <laughs> that's why i got into radio that show i i loved it so much and it's exactly as zany as that show made it to be i tried to teach guitar for a bit turns out i only knew how to play the guitar from jess <laughs> thanks for the bakersfield scores you bet glad to do it
I I so disappointed. I was looking so forward to watching the first period, then coming to work today, and I timed it out wrong. And so I got all my work done. I got my chores done. And then I was, I sat down at the computer and I was going to write my prep. And then I was going to watch the game and, and do those two things together. I had my day planned. I do, you know, I, I mean, I don't, I don't often, I'm not productive per se, but I, I start with the idea of being productive and damned if the game wasn't an hour later than I thought because of Pacific time. So disappointed. So disappointed. And now. Now I the the today's game starts at what is it ten thirty tonight? I, it's really late for the Oiler game. I think it's eight o'clock, and then it won't really be eight o'clock. It'll be Batman eight o'clock. It's like Batman Point. LT, I'd like to hear your thoughts on why the Oilers struggle to produce more prospects from Cozy. I, it's very simple. They trade all their picks, and they traded Reed Schaefer. The, the, the scouts are doing a great job. The scouts don't have any picks. In the last two NHL drafts combined, seven rounds each, they've had a total of 14 rounds in which the Oilers originally had a pick. The Oilers made seven picks or half of the total. Okay. And then on top of that, they traded Reed Schaefer. So in the last two years, they averaged three picks per, per year. It's not enough. And, and look, I, 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 I appreciate that they've signed, you know, James Hamblin and Vincent DeHarnay and they've signed Brady Stonehouse, but they should be doing more of that. They're, they've stopped being aggressive. They get bullied out of college. Nobody, nobody has signed with them out of college aside from Brian Fanti and he's been hurt, uh, this year and he wasn't terribly effective a year ago. So they, they gotta get it. Like they gotta get back in the game that they, they are, they are extremely, extremely low in NHL caliber prospects. I just did the top, top 20 and it was by, by the 11th prospect, it was fringe. That was how they pro- would project into the National Hockey League at some point. Like they, they don't have a lot of guys and they have no impact prospects at all. They've got a middle six winger prospect in Borgo and a top four prospect on defense in Boakey. And that's really it because I don't think they see Lavoie as being a shooter. Maybe he will become one, but I don't see, think they see him that way. He's certainly having a great game today, although he has not scored. He had two really good early chances. Asked Tide not to forget Angel, Rotide, uh, Rockford's uh, side pick, kick. He was brilliant. He was brilliant. Angel was the guy. Have you ever had a friend, Declan, who, when he called you on your phone and he would just bring trouble to you? Oh, yeah. You know, like you're like you're sitting there and you're watching Disney Channel or Disney, the wide world of Disney and everything's fine. And then, uh, yeah, listen, I took uh, I scoffed two uh, bottles of Crown Royal from my uncle and he's chasing me. Can you help me out? And you're like, what? That's Angel. You're describing the person I'm thinking about so aptly. It's scary. (laughs) I heard tell you about the time. Are we done? Damn it. Tomorrow I'm going to tell you about the skunk. Damn it. I really don't pay any attention to time. Can you do it in 51 no, seconds? No, I All can't. Right. Okay, a guy chased a skunk under my deck and ran out, and I said, what are you doing? He says, I just chased a skunk under your deck. Have a good day. I'm like, what the hell are you doing chasing a skunk? And under my deck. Gregor's next. Thanks for tuning in. Enjoy your day.